Hey, Foamies, it's time for another edition of the ITF Flowcast. So this week is going to be one of two best of episodes that we have for 2002. As many of you know, in Arizona, we get super busy during this time of year. So this helps me to kind of be able to still give some content to you, um, but also at the same time remind us of some of the awesome interviews that we had this year. So we're going to talk about three or parts of three different interviews that we had. So the first one is James Smith. So many of us know James, if you've been in ITF for any length of time, super Super great guy, just a really loving and caring family guy. And we're going to talk about a specific time in his business life where he hired an employee for the very first time and then tragedy struck for that employee. And he just, it's just a really touching interview and in how we, we sometimes as employers, that employee employer relationship goes beyond just, uh, you know, kind of a nominal secular relationship. And, and just how he had to learn how to deal with balancing compassion for his employee, but at the same time, making sure that his business continues running. So you're going to really, it's just a really touching interview. You're going to really enjoy it. So please listen into that. We're also going to speak with Dan Renard. And, and those of us who've been in ITF for any length of time as well, we know Dan. He's just such a great guy, just super friendly, very giving. He talks a lot about uh, his growth in his business and, and, and his changing of his mentality as he went from an employee at another company to uh, owning his own business. And just the mentality that he had to kind of get out of in order to allow himself to grow and just some of the philosophy, philosophies that he has as a business owner. I think you're going to really enjoy it. And we're going to finish off with an interview with Anthony Padlo. Now, Anthony is one of the OG Flomies. He was literally one of the first people to join ITF along with a few of, of others uh, of us. And he's just got a really good insight. He's come a long way. He also was the recipient of the Flumi of the Year Award along with James. And uh, there's a reason why. And in this interview, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that he had to overcome, both health with his himself, his family's health, um, just kind of the ups and downs of balancing your emotions with, with business ownership. You know, he had been an employee for, for decades and then finally going out on his own and just all the challenges that he had. And he gets to be interviewed by uh, Corey, uh, who many of you know as, as a mod for the ITF group. So uh, this is a really neat episode to just see them interact with each other. And uh, you get a feeling for what ITF is really about. So I know you're going to enjoy this. Please uh, listen in. This is a really nice episode. If you don't really get a chance to listen to the Flowcast very often, this is just a nice taste of what you can look forward to in the future. So thanks again, Flomies, and enjoy. Okay, so you're now th year three, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to talk about this because I think this is something that you you went through the worst case scenario of hiring. <laughs> I did. You know, when you I when did. you... When you first go from, hey, I'm working by myself, I've got control of everything, things are looking good, you know, and now I, I but I have a lot of work and I could probably hire, but I'm afraid to hire. What could possibly go wrong? So um, <laughs> could you please share with, with the Foamies a little bit about your experience, what happened sure. and just all the the trauma that you your your business as a whole, both employer and employee yeah. had, to, had to go through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have gone back and forth for a very long time about whether I wanted to actually hire anybody. Um, I've known for a while and, and Kevin Hargis has really helped me work through this. Um, I've known for a while that I wanted to stay small, that just growing a huge multimillion dollar corporation was not what I wanted. I wanted to stay small and, 
um, be a good steward of what God has given me, be a good steward of the people working for me. Um, so I kind of dragged my feet a little bit on the hiring process, um, actually getting somebody. Um, I started looking at people uh, to hire within my own church, people who had uh, young men who had good reputations, people that I thought would have a good work ethic. I knew their parents and what they were being taught and knew that I could mm -hmm. trust them. Um, and out of the four or five people that I tried out and had shadow me, um, there's just one guy that just stood out every single time. His name is Ben for everybody to, to know that. Um, and Ben was the only one out of all of them who kept bugging me every month. Hey, when am I going to come work for you full-time? When, when are you going to bring me on? When am I going to come work for you full-time? And it went, on, it went on like that for like a year, year and a half. And I just kind of hemmed and hot. You know, I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. And, <laughs> and then, you know, 2021 happened and here I am, you know, maxed out on as much work that I can handle by myself, booked a month out and would like to take more on. Um, so August 1st was his first start date. I brought him on and um, August historically, I say historically, I know we've only been in business for three years, but no, based I, on the I past three that. years, based on the past three years, August was one of our slowest months. Everybody, you know, you know, our, our typical client is a, is a mom because that's who gets the work, you know, the, the, the work hired mm -hmm. out to get the housework done. Um, and you know, August into September, moms are focused on getting their kids back to school. Uh, last, last ditch summer parties, that kind of stuff. So window cleaning is just not on the radar. Um, and bringing Ben on in August, um, I assumed that I was going to take a hit. Like I was going to slow down even more because of all the time that I'd have to spend in, in, in teaching him and training him and all that. And we actually doubled our sales for August from the, from the wow. previous year. So we went oh, up from man. about, we went up from about a $3,000 month in August to about a $7,000 month in August for, for no reason, just, just because we could pump out two or three. No, it, it, it was reason it was, is that you're now being known, right? So you're right. People are spending, it, yeah. you're, you got the referrals going, you're getting a reputation. Right. So now right. people are looking to you, whereas they might have not before. Right. So, um, and I, I've been very fortunate with my, with my employee, Ben, because he's one of those guys where he just, he's just a natural, like window cleaning mm -hmm. just clicks. He takes pride in it. He, he stands back at the end of the job and is really just happy with how the windows looked. Yeah. Um, anytime I tell him to correct something, it's that one time and never again, he just mm -hmm. fixes it. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, he didn't even really go through a real training period because he was just so good at it already. Wow. Um, it was good enough. He was good enough that I was actually able to take a vacation in September um, and just be gone for a couple of weeks. Sweet. Um, so that worked out really well for us. Um, however, and this is, I know this is what you were alluding to um, very, very early in October, within about the first week of October, his two-year-old son suddenly passed away. Um, it was very, very unexpected. Um, the poor little boy uh, got, West Nile virus that mutated into meningitis and he just passed away in his sleep. Um, so it was very sudden. Um, and just, just to show you the quality of the employee that I, that I have Ben's first call after that happened, Ben's first call was to call me and apologize to me because he wasn't going to make it into work. Like it was just amazing. I couldn't believe that, that, that was even on his radar after his son had passed away. Um, so that that really definitely left me in a bind 
because I had, you know, a month worth of work scheduled out and the work enough for two people scheduled out. Um, and this was October. October is crazy, crazy busy for us. Uh, October, November, December is our busiest time of the year. So there was no way that I was going to be able to bring someone on, you know, right in the middle of busy season and train them and not have it slow me way down. Mm-hmm. Um, so first thing I did was to give him as much time off as he needed to, to grieve, to get counseling and, and all that good stuff. Um, I think I, he and I called each other at least once a day, pretty much that entire time, sometimes twice a day, just, just to talk and, and, you know, your mind goes into dark places when, when the tragedy mm-hmm. like that uh, happens and your, your best resource when, when tragedy happens is, is the people around you. Um, so I had all, I had this, this big load of work to deal with and, uh, uh, you know, talking to you about it and talking to some of the other Flomies about it, you know, I just came to the conclusion that people are going to understand. People are going to understand if I don't get to them. And, uh, if I don't get to them and they're going to get bent out of shape about it, well, you know, that's not my customer then. If they're going to get mm-hmm. bent out of shape over something like uh, an issue like this, then that's not my, you know, that's not my customer. Um, and out of all the work that I had lined up and had to reschedule and whatnot, only one person out of all the work that I had li- lined up, only one person said, well, darn it, we really needed to get this done soon. And I was able to send them out to uh, uh, a colleague of mine out here uh, a few miles north of me. So it worked out really well. Um bringing Ben back on has been very interesting because that's, that's kind of a process that, you know, nobody knows how it's going to go. You know, you mm-hmm. have the tragedy happen. He has, even, even through all this, he has the desire to work. He just doesn't know if he's going to be able to get, get through it. Yeah. Um, the counseling that he received was very helpful. The counsel was that take the time that you need to grieve. Um, but getting back to work sooner rather than later would be better. Um, you tend to, you tend to be in your own head too much when you sit around doing nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. so actually getting back to work and, and having his hands do something, having his mind do something, I really think helped. It was a very slow process. We started one day a week, just one day a week. I'm going to call you. It's going to be an easy job. It's going to be cake. I'll be outside with you the whole time. We're going to talk the whole time. It's going to be great. Um, and then after a couple of weeks of that, okay, we're moving up to two days a week and he's starting to do better. Um, we've moved up to about three days a week. This is about Thanksgiving. Now we've moved up to three days a week and, and he's got three days a week of work where, where he's doing pretty good. He's got church on Sunday, which really helps. And he's with me three days a week and we're still, you know, t- talking back and forth pretty much every day. Um, and then two days before Thanksgiving, his dad passed away. <laughs> So that, that poor family is just hatched. It's the punches just kept coming. Um, yeah. So again, I, again, I told him you take whatever time off you need. This is, you know, my business is not your problem. It's not your concern. I'm not going to be in a bind because my customers are going to understand. This is not something you need to worry about. And of course he worried about it constantly. Um, Cause he's just that kind of person. Um, but he, we, we did pretty much the same thing after his dad passed away, uh, just gradually increasing the amount of work um, until he was, you know, back to full strength and, and handling it. And um, 
that really, really seemed to, to help a lot. Um, he, he seemed, it was funny. I've known this man for 10 years and he and I are good friends. And he seemed to be afraid that because all this was happening, I was going to hire somebody else and he was going to get <laughs> fired. I don't know where that thought came from because I never let him to believe that. Um, but, but he's thinking as a businessman. And I think that's, as a businessman. Right. That, that's, that's what makes him, that's what all, all the good employees, because I was like that, you know, when I worked for someone, um, I didn't think of myself as an employee. I thought of myself as right. an extension of the owner. So I was right. concerned with yes. his, with his stake in the business as right. if it were my own. And that's right. when, you know, you have a good worker because I've right. had those, yeah. you know, yeah. and when they, when they think of the business as what, what is my role in helping the business succeed as opposed to how much money can I get out of this business? Right. Those are the ones you keep. And those are the ones you do all you can to, to right. hang on to. Sure. Right. You know, he, I, I don't expect him to treat it like it's his baby because it's not. And I can't hold him to that standard. You know, this is my business and he's never going to, you know, fully treat it like I would. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, he is so darn close to that. It's unbelievable. It's almost like I have a partner. Um, so I really, I really try to go out of my way to make him feel included um, and just and just create this 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 company culture of two people, you know that that's something unusual. So we have we have a standing lunch date every Friday, whether it's in between a couple of jobs or after the jobs are over. The business buys us both lunch, and he and I sit down and talk about how the week went. What can we do better? What things can we change? What can we add? And stuff like that. Nice, um, I like that. We do that every week. Uh, we got to have our Christmas party. Uh, a few weeks ago, which was a lot of fun. We went out to a, a really nice Mexican restaurant out here and, and went and drove around and looked at Christmas lights afterwards. Um, so it really feels like it really, it really feels like I have more of a partner than anything else. But mm-hmm. the funny thing is, so, so my, my goal with an employee has been to basically to arm the employee with as much knowledge and skill and expertise as possible so that if he decided he wanted to go start up his own business and do the, and do his own window cleaning business for his family, he could. I feel like that's. I feel like I don't have competitors. I have colleagues. Mm-hmm. You know, there's more than enough glass to go around. And you know, the better we all are, the better we all look. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing is, he's got all this knowledge. He's very very good at what he does. He has no desire to start his own business. He has zero desire to deal with the paperwork and the red tape and and uh, and 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 the back end of stuff. He just wants to put a water-fed pole on some glass and get to work. It's amazing. It's amazing. I don't think I could have found anybody better um, than who I found. And it's going to make hiring the next person really, really hard because I'm going to have high standards now. <laughs> of course, of course. But you know what? If you if you hire on character, just like what you did. Um, if they yeah. can grow up in, you know, in this culture, mm-hmm. then you, that increases the odds that the new person is going to kind of fall in line. But that also sends you a message, you know, if, if they're not working out, if they're right. not fitting in, then you're like, you know, maybe this isn't a good fit. <laughs> you know, right. um, I remember I hired a guy and um, now I was a little bit bigger. I, I had about four employees at this time. Uh, and he he ended up staying with me for almost a full year to, mm. to his credit. 
but I didn't, until he left, I didn't realize that I had brought such kind of, a, I hate to say cancer because it wasn't like he was toxic. He just was very negative. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't realize because by this time I'm not with all the crews all the time, you know, I'm saying crews out and, and I was having two man crews at that time. And I, when I noticed it was um, I had sent this guy and then my number two, and, and he's, he's very similar to your employee, just very business mind. In fact, he, st- he started his own business. So he, he oh, left wow. me earlier this year to, okay. to con- he had already, he had already started it. He had it for a couple of years, but it was always kind of little. And, and at the end of the summer, he just told me, I think I have enough work to live off of, you know, wow. and I wished him well and, and thanked him for all his, his work. And it was a big hole to fill, you know, but when he came back one time, and told me, he says, man, I just, I just feel really bad after this job. And I said, why, what happened? You know, I'm trying to figure out thinking it's something wrong, but it turned out it was just, this guy was just, he was negative and mm. he complained the entire job and he complained about having to go do, cause what it was is they were supposed to be, they, they were scheduled to work till two. And then mm. we got a call and I said, Hey, can you guys, since you're done at two, can you just go take care of this other job? And you know, the, the, my number two was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll do it. And the other, the other guy was complaining. Oh, we got to go over here. Oh, it's this house. Oh, you know, oh, oh, I hate this. I hate that. You know? And so we, and I just realized I'm like, man, I didn't, I hadn't re- caught. I knew he was a negative person, but I didn't understand how he was affecting the culture of my, of my mm. business. Wow. And when we finally let him go, it was like, someone opened the door and all the toxic air went out and it was like, wow. everyone could breathe, you know, and, wow. and that taught me a big lesson on, cause he had, he was very experienced, you know, he was an experienced mm-hmm. cleaner, but wow. that showed me that character always will beat out experience. You know, you, yeah. you can, yeah. you can train someone to be a window cleaner. You can't always train someone to be a quality person, you know, quality employee. Yeah. think in our industry because we are male dominated and and you know there's just i don't think just window clean but any kind of contractor where you've got a bunch of professionals who are good at what they do there's going to be heads at butt and there's going to be egos involved there's going to be people who are trying to you know have that alpha male mentality of trying to get up to the top and uh, itf does a really good job of kind of sifting through that you know and, and those who really want the drama and really want the the you know, self-promotion, they don't stay, they leave, you know, and they, they stay where they, you know, where they get what they want, but those who do stay, um, and, and we have many who, who perhaps in other groups might have that mentality, but they are very respectful of the environment that we've created here. And I think what that does is, uh, um, you know, I, there's some, some I'm thinking of right now who they, they contribute, you know, they don't contribute often, but when they do, it's really meaningful. It's really helpful and insightful. And they do it in a way that shows respect to how we run things in this group, even though maybe their tendency might be a little different, but it, it, it kind of, it, it brings out that, that helpfulness, you know, in a way, uh, because just be, by virtue of having uh, those lines drawn as to what's tolerated and what's not, you know, and it allows them to work within those parameters if they're willing, you know, some are not, and that's okay. We're not saying everybody's got to be a part of ITF, but, but those who, who'd stay, um, and respect the, the, the rules. I mean, it, 
man, I mean, I just, I get impressed with some of these posts from these individuals who in other groups, I probably didn't have as much respect just because of the way they responded to people. But then hearing them like, man, they, they are really insightful. That was a really good answer to some question that they gave, you know? There's some depth and, to the well, right? Yeah, yeah, there's some depth, exactly. But that's also the humanity, right? Because if you, and that's that's where my fault is, is to look at someone who may respond in a way negatively and make judgments on them. But then you see them in a different light and you're like, wow, I was totally off base on that judgment, right? You know, that's a lesson that that I continually learn when it comes to all these different people that I meet is, is learning to identify where their strengths are and then try to help them enhance those strengths, you know, if, if, if it's within my power or within my ability. But um, yeah, it's just, I think it's window clean has, has brought me into contact with so many different people that I never would have, you know, in different types. And uh, um, it's just, it's just really, it's neat and humbling to be able to learn from them and to see, uh, rather than focusing on myself, all promotion, you know, self-promotion, I'm this, I'm that, but just taking some time to listen and to observe. Um, it's changed my business, the way I run my business. And, and uh, it really has just given me a lot of respect for people that I never would have given a second thought to, you know, otherwise. Yeah. And when you listen people feel valued and respected. And it goes back to the old saying that people don't know, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. Yeah. You can, you can be talking uh, at nauseum mm-hmm. uh, about the depth of knowledge you have on glass restoration and how mm-hmm. glass is made, blah, 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 all this stuff. Um, you know, but until someone feels heard and valued, um, mm-hmm they might not receive some of the things that, that you would like to share with them. Too. Mm-hmm. So it, it's you're, you're, it's the power of observation and, and just let giving value to another person when you're, when you're with them. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, whenever I went to uh, IWCA for the first time, scared to death. I mean, just cause mm-hmm. I mean, I show up and like all these guys are all chummy, buddy, buddy. Right. They've known each other for how many decades of going to, to these conventions. And this was my first time there. And uh, I remember uh, finding a group of like-minded people uh, of in, in the industry, but also uh, just with a value system. Uh, the, there were three other, uh, other fellows there. Um, and uh, boy, we had a really, really impactful time uh, on it with each other. And that was really special. Uh, so it's- What nice. year was that? That was 2016, I believe it was. Okay. Uh, my first, my first one was in um, Scottsdale. Okay. Yeah, I, that was my first one too. Although I didn't go to any of the, I just went to the trade show. Okay. Um, yeah, I drove up from from Tucson since it was so close, and I just bought tickets for the trade. So I walked in, looked around, didn't know anybody, no one knew me. You know, I just felt like I was walking around in a mall. <laughs> yeah. Didn't buy nothing. Yeah. Came back home. My wife was like, "How was it?" I was like. I guess it was okay. I saw a bunch of squeegees <laughs> and buy nothing, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting. So now I go back each year and, and uh, I look forward to certain people of like, Oh yeah, I get to mm-hmm. see these people and catch up again. And, and I try to also be mindful that there's probably another Dan Renard out there somewhere floating around. That's this first year there. So it's yeah. nice that they give out those first year tag things so that you can recognize that person, include them, make yeah, him feel yeah. welcome as well because uh, like, yeah it's, it's tough being the new guy yeah yeah absolutely I, that's I, I just totally felt of course at the time you know when I went it was the same year 2016 um I was just starting to grow so my business I had been 
single owner operator for since 2000, you know, all the way up until about 2013, I think was when I hired my first guy. And, and then even then I backed off right after I hired him. I, I think I, he quit and I was like, I didn't hire for a little bit. And then I hired again and I kept like kind of dipping my toe into, you know, getting bigger. And, and uh, um, we had my daughter. That was the whole reason that that was the whole, if, if I hadn't had my daughter, I would still be a single owner operator, but we had her. Um, There's a lot more expenses that came um, her, her health, it, nothing super dangerous, but it was concerning. We had to have some surgeries. We had to have doc, a lot of doctors visits. So I was like, yeah, I can't support the family off of what I'm making here. So I had to grow the business and um, you know, getting back to meeting people, like you said, I, that, I, it wasn't that one. The first one, I didn't mean nobody. Uh, I think it was San Diego is where I met. I met two people, Michael Draper and uh, Fernando uh, Nando Medina, who's uh, one of the mods, you know, with, with ITF. And I, I met a bunch of other people in that one, but those are the two that I remembered. And uh, Nando, just to, like I said, getting to know people better. At first, he came off very brash. You know, he was just very, he just kind of was out there. He, you know, he had guys with him and he was just real yes. like, I own this place, you know. Yeah. And so just at first sight, I didn't really, right? uh, not they're, they're even all, intimidating, like just the same uniforms and yeah, it, it, it yeah. appeared very intimidating, you know, like, what am I well, doing? He, just, he just wasn't my cup of tea at first, just from what I was already judging him to be, you know, and then we we were in the same, um, uh, it was the Sunbelt uh, uh, training class, yep. and so we got certified together, and I, and I, he sat next to me, and we just talked, and I, I got to know him, and I was like, man, actually, this guy's pretty cool, you know, this guy actually is pretty down to earth, and, and we had a good conversation, and he was, oh, next time in California, come visit me, this and that, you know, but then we ended up following each other on Facebook after that, and then we um, got into ITF together, and then after that, I mean, now we're, you know, we, we know each other really well, and, and we work together so often with uh, uh, ITF um, and other things, now he's in the IWCA, he's on the board, and, and so, we're, we're even we have more dealings with him. And, and so it just, I, he's definitely a, a friend that I would not have made had I had that attitude of, oh, well, I'm better than him or I'm, you know, where I would have been trying to compare uh, my, my skills or my business with his, we never would have become a friendship. You know, I had a friendship. Right, that's the danger mm-hmm. is, and it's, it's natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what industry you're in, uh, mm-hmm. It's just a natural thing, a comparison. Yeah. Uh, and and I and I, I'm from New Hampshire. For some people, it's a little tiny state next to Maine. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little. It's a little box there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a little tiny, little pizza-shaped, little small state right next to Maine. Uh, you know, we're uh, uh, geographically we're an hour north of Boston. Okay. Uh, so we can be in the city just an hour Boston. away, man. Yep. Yeah, we can be in the city pretty fast. Uh, I can usually be on the uh, on the mountain skiing in forty five minutes, and I can be at the beach in thirty minutes. So wow, we've got the lakes region that I can be there in about twenty minutes. You know, so we got lakes and the mountains, we got the ocean, we got the city, all with within an hour's drive. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so it's a really cool place to be. Um, but uh, when I went to the first, uh, but comparison, uh, you know, I'm. My general service area is the seacoast of New Hampshire, southern Maine, kind of uh, a little bit into Massachusetts, but mostly the seacoast of New Hampshire. Uh, so, you know, the general area might be like uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, or along I-95. You might have, I don't know, 30 or 40,000 people that mm-hmm. 
reside there, right? And uh, so it's important not to get pulled into the fact that someone who is servicing New York City or Philadelphia or, or right. Boston or a major city and they've got like a warehouse and they've got 10 trucks or 12 yes. or 15 trucks on the road. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, right. Well, it, there's, and that, that, that's even a ministry. I was a youth minister for a while. And you look at certain churches, why do certain churches only have 25 people in it? And why are there mm-hmm. churches with 5,000 or 10,000 people in it? Well, you are, these places are often in major, you know, metropolitan areas. You know, so, so you should be growing and scaling according to your, your, your base as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, comparing, comparing usually leaves one feeling defeated. So, uh, yeah. you know, the best. Well, and often both. To applaud people uh, when they're succeeding. You know, yeah, often, often both of them are, are depressed because we're always comparing our, the thing that we, we feel more uh, insecure about with the other person's, what they're excelling at. And they're sometimes doing the same thing, you know, to us. They're looking at us and, and saying, oh, I wish, you know, this. And that's just the human tendency, you know. Yeah. So it, does, it doesn't help anything. It, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, uh, do any good really to, to compare unless you're asking them specific, specifically how you can be better in a certain thing. That's different. Yeah, you know, now you're asking for instruction. Somebody. Yeah, and, and, and uh, appreciating. Appreciating uh, their accomplishments and, and like maybe this person can help me get to my next stage of growth. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and it Absolutely. takes time to get there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, but I did meet uh, one of the newbies. I said there were like four newbies uh, at my first IWCA. Mm-hmm. One of those gentlemen uh, gave me his airline points and flew me out to Colorado. Wow. I'd never been to Colorado. He flew uh-huh. me out to Colorado, let me stay with him and his wife. And we went skiing and uh, went to a, you know, I got to meet some of his people. And uh, and that was just after one wow. connection at an IWCA. I'm like, mm-hmm. the brotherhood that, that exists uh, when there's not that spirit of fighting and competing and egos. But when, uh, when you're open-handed and, and like just welcoming, uh, it's amazing that even just one person, my first connection, mm-hmm. here's a guy that, I got to go ski Breckenridge and like, it was a dream come true. That's awesome. You know? Very cool. So that was pretty cool. But <laughs> Well, um, we got, we got off track as that often yeah, happens, did. but that's okay. Because that's what we're all about here. It's <laughs> just getting to know you better. The most important things that we're talking about, right. Is, yeah. Is, is the stuff of life. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, window cleanings, window cleaning. Like I can say, ah, here's my squeegee that I use, or, you know, this is the kind of towel that's the best you know, but uh, at the end of the day, we, we do uh, what, what works for in our company. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. But how did I get started? Uh, yeah. I feel like uh, I think there was a Johnny Cash song that said something about I've been everywhere, man. I've been, everywhere, <laughs> yeah. <man."> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I was a, a Mason's tender at one point. I went to, uh, to trade school to be a, uh, I took carpentry and cabinet making. No kidding. Um, so I spent some time in, in the carpentry field for a while. I thought when I graduated high school that that's what I was going to do. I was a volunteer firefighter at the time. And, uh, and I was planning on working carpentry for a while. And I did, I got into that. And, uh, yeah, I, in high school, I was waiting tables and, you know, between college, I was, uh, you know, like a fry cook. <laughs> it's like, I, 
I, I've had experience in a lot of different industries, a lot of different, uh, you know, life skills, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I felt uh, I felt the call to go into ministry. So whenever I was I was out of out of high school for about a year, um, and then I uh, went to Bible college and finished that up and got my diploma and uh, became a youth minister uh, for about six years. I was in youth ministry, and uh, those were some really good times. Uh, as uh, you know hanging out with teenagers. We started a youth group in this little small town called Milton, New Hampshire. It was a little cow town. Uh, <laughs> it was just, you know, we'd get people from, from out of state come. We, there were, uh, there's some lakes there. So they would come in, you know, on the weekend and play on the lake and then go home. But really, as far as the town goes, there wasn't much cooking. And we started the youth group there with four teenagers. And when we left, there was over 60 strong. Wow every week and uh and there were 17 schools represented uh so i got to go into to uh out of all 17 schools all but two said that i could come in and have lunch with our students uh so that was that was a lot of fun to go into <laughs> schools and hang out and eat lunch with their students uh you know uh so whenever whenever i stopped doing that i i all i had my trade to fall back on so i went back into carpentry and cabinet making and you know but i was working in a in a uh, manufactured home facility. Okay. Uh, and I was pulling 12 hour shifts there. I was oh. working a lot of times from 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, working <laughs> super hard uh, and doing, you know, doing my best, you know, and I uh, wasn't getting compensated a lot. And I would watch them fire good guys and promote like knuckleheads. And I'm like, oh, what the <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, and uh, while I was there, this was 1998, 99, I guess, only around that time. Um, I was reading a book that I uh, saw on the Oprah Winfrey show, and the book was <laughs> Dad Ford. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got home in time to see Oprah. You know, I, I went to work early, but I got home, you know, early. <laughs> and uh, Robert Kiyosaki was on there, and there was, uh, and I am, I am a person that if I sit down to read, I fall asleep. Oh, it's okay. not for lack of wanting right or i gather my knowledge in other ways right <laughs> if i sit down to read I, I fall asleep uh so uh i was reading this guy's book on all my lunch breaks and and everything at, at work and whenever i got home anytime i could i couldn't put mm. the book uh, because i was raised uh, uh i wasn't wealthy we you know i know what government cheese tastes like you mm. know i, I yeah absolutely I'd the free lunch program guess that uh, he is man guess that he is all day yeah you know i know <laughs> I, I know what I, I couldn't drink real milk after we got off after i <laughs> got out of the system because i didn't like you know you have powder and you add yeah. water to it and now you've got milk for your cereal right, and right. Like, drink real milk after that i was like what is this gross stuff <laughs> 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 you get used to that government stuff uh you know so uh but my dad was a very hardworking man. He uh, supported a family of six of us uh, on, wow. a, on a manufacturer's salary. He just worked an assembly line all of his life. He was a hardworking and a good man. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she definitely could make a dollar stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen anyone handle money quite like my mom. Uh, my dad would just sign his check over. She would cash it and put it in envelopes for giving and for bills or whatever and then when the time came i guess she put it in the bank and then wrote out a check uh, it was her way of doing it but i you know 
she did very well. We didn't uh, go beyond her means, but um, you know, so so the struggle was 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 there. So when I'm reading this book, I'm I'm relating to this guy that that says I, you know, my friend was poor. His dad, you know. But my dad was, but his dad was educated, right? And said, you got to go and, you know, he was, you got to get all these degrees and you'll be successful and stuff. And this other guy saying, well, you know, you can invent something or there's another way of doing it. And I'm sitting there and I'm just taken in this book of, mm-hmm. of, of new, new thoughts now starting to process. I remember my dad not too many years ago, even as an old man, I, when I would go down to visit my parents, we went to this fancy uh uh store at the end of town um that sold wines and cheeses and (laughs) you know uh and we bought some stuff to bring up to the house and because it didn't come from the local uh discount grocery store you know he's like what are you doing it's like (laughs) well i i thought i'd buy some nice things and bring over to you and he said quote we have we are poor we have always been poor and we will always be poor. Oh. That, was a, that was a statement to me. And I was like, huh, all right. You know, that, but that was just recently. This was after I'd started my business and everything else. Sure, I remember sure. telling dad whenever he was at his last manufacturing job, I said, dad, if you put a carport on the side of your house, everybody in town loved my dad's detail work. He would detail people's cars for him. Mm-hmm. I said, dad, you could get a little side hustle. You could get something going here. And uh, no, no, his dream job was this place in town. And then that place shut down and moved out. Mm. You know, like, you know, but that book, I was really, you know, thinking like, if you just do, if you do this, then this will happen. Right. Mm -hmm. If if you work hard for somebody and you do a good job, you will be promoted. And I was at this carpentry job looking around saying, this isn't the case. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This isn't the case. So, so I thought, what if, What if I worked hard for myself? Um, there's we're running against the clock here. I think we probably got about 10 15 minutes left. There's a couple more things I wanted to go through here. One, um, the reason the reason we ended up on this on this chat together, I wanted to do an interview with my nominee for the Flomeo. Um, as you know, we did. This is the first year we did the the Flomi Awards. Uh, you pick as an administrator. We each picked one person that kind of embodied the you know what it is to be a Flomi, what it is to be into the flow uh, community. You know, being helpful, being positive. Um, but there's a lot more to it than that for me. And you know, you're always someone that I respected in the groups, um, right from right from the get-go and it wasn't even in the into the flow group we interacted in the pro window group probably three or four years ago mm-hmm. but you were one of those people i have a pretty good bs radar um so you you know you have to sort through a lot of the bs in that group but i also have a good radar for someone who knows who knows what they're talking about and you were always one of those people that kind of struck me as all right this guy he's highly skilled he's intelligent he knows he knows this business inside and out and you know he's been he's made the rounds enough so every time i would see something you know a post pop up where someone was looking for advice or and i would see a comment from you in there it was just one that i was always drawn to because i knew 
I knew that you knew what you were talking about. And um, when you said you were going to start your own business, I was so excited. I was so happy for you because I, I just assumed you had your own business right from the jump based on your experience. And, and to watch you take your business from 2019, where, like I said, the economy was at a peak, and then to survive through one of the most tumultuous, tumultuous years, two years that uh, the United States has ever gone through is really just a testament to your resilience, your work ethic, your dedication, and your skill. So I just wanted to give you kind of a, a minute to, to just tell me how you, you know, how that, what does that mean to you to get that award? And um, it's yours, it it's, the stage lot. is yours. It means a whole lot. And, you know, the, the nice words you just said about me, I, I still have a hard time seeing it as it's a testament of anything but my dumb luck that I made it this far so far. But <laughs> yeah, I do appreciate you, you know, I, at a time when, you know, we were both in the, the, the pro group a lot at that point, I really did want to help. I felt I had been kind of blessed with meeting some really knowledgeable old dogs in the industry and, you know, the questions that I would always respond to weren't questions that, uh, they weren't new, basically. They were questions that I asked at some point and the knowledge yep. that I gave them was the answer that somebody else gave me. I, I felt like all of every, anything I've learned in my job, whether it's experience or education, it's knowledge that I'm renting. It's only fair to give it to somebody else. And so that's why you know, I've never really had a problem jumping in and, and being that BSing with people and, given my opinions or, you know, my experience with some of the situations they run into. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for you guys to kind of pick me out for that, it, to me, it didn't even seem like something that was that special. I just, like I said, I felt like I was just passing, like playing Chinese telephone. I'm just passing the information that was given to me on down the line. Um, but it seemed like something in those particular groups and in those particular interactions where someone was asking for advice or someone was asking for, you know, just a little bit of ex more experience. And oftentimes the good stuff like you and others would contribute would get drowned out by, by the bad stuff. And it was just, that was one thing that was frustrating to me where every good comment you get where someone was actually trying to be helpful, you'd get five, negative comments or five trolls who, who just came in to bash the person and call them an idiot. Cause they don't know. And I just dealt with this yesterday on, on, a, on another group where someone was asking a simple question about how to reinsert the clips in the Sorbo channel. Um, and the first time I remember the first time I got my, my first Sorbo channel, I wasn't paying attention when I took the rubber out, I popped, you know, I just ripped the rubber out. One clip fell on the ground and I was like, Oh, I went to put the other one back in and I'm looking at it like, I don't like which which little knob does it slide over? Does it go in the front or the back? Like I never dealt with a with a channel like that before, so it took me a couple seconds and a few tries to figure it out. And these you know people just jump down this guy's throat, sure. and it's just it was so it's frustrating to me to watch someone that is reaching out to a group of professionals for a little bit of advice and a, just a small little tip like that, and just to have people jump down their throat and be so negative and and demeaning to them. But you were never you were never that person and that's one of the things that drew me to you early on and and it's not just 
your knowledge and your dedication to helping the window community. But like I said, your resilience, you've also dealt with your own personal health struggles while trying to maintain and start up a business. And you've, you've managed to come out on top of that. And I just, I admire that so much, your resilience and your ability to overcome all these obstacles that have been thrown in your way. So that that's the reason why I, I nominated you for the award is just, you just keep coming back. And it's just such a pleasure to watch someone just keep overcoming every little hurdle that's thrown in their way. I just, I, you love to see it. I do just keep coming back. My mom used to complain about that all the time too. <laughs> I, I really do appreciate the kind words. And honestly, what the Flomi award means to me more than anything is, is being recognized by a group of people that I admire greatly um, for many different and also many similar reasons. You gave Kevin, Beba, Sarah, the, the whole ITF crew, Joel, there's, there's, and even people that aren't admins, the, the, the spirit of ITF is kind of like what you were talking about. The spirit of ITF is, is we're going to help each other. We're going to build each other up. We're going to, you know, we're going to crack jokes. We're not always going to agree, but we're going to try to find a way to work it out. I, I but we also, we celebrate, we celebrate each other's successes, which is, exactly. which is also a big thing. And then, you know, watching you've succeeded in the last two years at doing something that, that a lot of people don't succeed at, you know, a lot of people go out on their own and they'll, and they'll, they'll fail. And a lot of people that were faced with the circumstances you were faced with in the last two years between the pandemic and, and your, you know, your own personal issues that you had to deal with health wise. I know you had some, you spent quite a bit of time in the hospital trying to get your body right. You know, some people just, I would say not some people, most people will not overcome that. And it's just, you know, it's just a testament to your character and, and, and to who you are, which is really, it's a, it's a special thing. So it is to be celebrated. And I'm just happy to, to have the opportunity to, to nominate you for that. It is much appreciated, Corey. I really do thank you for that. And, uh, well, you deserve it. I'm in my office now. Otherwise, I'd show you my Flomi Award. As embarrassing as it might be, it's on my nightstand. <laughs> in the bedroom, it's, it's got hey, the place. No, no embarrassment. No embarrassment. I got my little trophies and my little knickknacks up and around as well. But, um, yeah, so there's you know one last thing here. and We're up against the clock. I just wanted to do – there's one last little fun thing. Um, oh. It's a little rapid fire. It's just I'm going to give you two options. You're going you're gonna to just shout one out. All right. It's all window cleaning related or, you know, close to window cleaning related. There's a couple little oddball things in here. Um, but the la hopefully, you know, we spark a little bit of a discussion here to wrap up with. Um, so here we go. You ready? You ready to rock? Let's Dish do soap it. or window solution? Window solution. That's new. Edaray or Unger? Edaray. Pole or ladder? Ladder. Surgical cloth, microfiber. Surgical. Hard rubber, soft rubber? Soft. Residential or commercial? Resi. Gutter cleaning, soft washing? Soft washing. Storefront, high rise? Storefront for me. 
Construction cleaning or glass restoration? <laughs> Run away. <laughs> Construction clean. I'm with you on that one. All right, here's the last one. Ready to set the – we're going to set the alarms off here. Traditional or water-fed? Oh, well, <laughs> let me just put it to you this way. I didn't get He-Man. <laughs> I got my Skeletor and my He-Man pictures, and I didn't get Skeletor with the water-fed tattooed on my leg. I got He-Man with the squeegee. So I won't say the word, but I'm just going to, you know, try. I love my water fed stuff, but I do. I'm, I'm always going to be a track guy until, until I'm not rocking anything anymore. I'm with you on that one. I had a feeling you were going to go that route. The water fed is an amazing tool though. I will say I, I've been in, that, in the water fed side for almost four years now. Uh, I'm going into my fourth year now and it's really a time saver on so many different things. Especially, you know, I deal with a lot of cut-ups, uh, deal with a lot of salt where I'm at, uh, coming off the water. The, um, yeah. the ocean does a number on the glass, and it's just – it really just cuts through a lot of that stuff so much quicker. But I love putting my tool belt on and loading up my squeegees, and I love – I'm a trad guy till I die. There's, <laughs> there's no way around that. And, you know, and I will say this about Waterfed, I think a lot of the times you get guys that – they try it once or twice. They obviously don't have the skill level with the tools as they do with their trad stuff. And frankly, it's just the path of least resistance to keep doing what you know best. But mm -hmm. honestly, once I started actually practicing with it a little more and kind of looking into what other than just here's my cart, here's my pole, here's my brush, what other accessories, what other things like a pump or you know, a steel, uh, steel or a bronze wool scrub pad. What other things yep. can I add to this? And it just keeps getting better and better from that standpoint. But it does. From a satisfaction standpoint, nothing like a squeegee. You don't. Get no, nothing like a squeegee. Customers with the water fit. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And you're you're face to you're, you're face to glass. You can you know you see it in real time from the ground. It's got to drip dry, and then you got to go back and inspect it. It's not the immediate instant gratification with the water fed pole that it is with the squeegee, but it's also the art of window cleaning. I think Absolutely. is in is in the squeegee, and Absolutely. the water fed pole. I'll tell you what, I'm very spoiled using the water fed pole, but there's a lot of times where I'm like, you know, what? I'm just, I'm still going to, I'm going to throw the ladder up. I'm going to go up and just, I'm going to do it by hand. And it might not be the, always the quickest route, but I'm, I'm still, until I can't climb the ladder anymore or throw it up on my shoulder, I'm going to keep climbing. I'm going to keep squeegeeing it's part until of my the day I die. Cause I, I love. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. it's, it keeps me younger. It, it keeps me in shape. It's once again, it's fun. It's a, it's a way for me to enjoy my day, but I will admit there are more and more jobs that I'm looking at. Do I pull the 40 foot off the truck? Of course not. <laughs> Let's get the water fed going. Here. You know, so I'm at a point yeah. now where I think anything three piece stack or lower, I'm probably going to still end up doing trad unless we're talking a just a huge job or a lot of French pains, but anything mm -hmm. above that water fed pole without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I still find, you know, a lot of guys swear by the speed of the water-fed pole, not having to put the ladder up. But on a two stories and and under, on a lot of windows, I still feel that I'm faster. I'm faster traditional than I am than I am with the pole. 
Like if I'm on a job with a bunch of casement windows or even, you know, one over one double hung windows, I feel like I'm, I'm going to blow away the water fed pole with the traditional. And maybe it's, you know, maybe I'm just still too new to the water fed pole. I don't have that speed that some of these guys have, but tell you what, I put that ladder up and just fly around the house. And I, yep. I just as soon do that, you know, seven days a week on, if I'm on those jobs and, than to take the pole out and try to do them. Cause it's just, it doesn't seem as quick to me sometimes. I think you're onto something with the whole skill level where you and I are, are at. I, I remember doing a job with my old crew and we had a ton of blackout glass windows to do. And, and it was basically a third story commercial building. We had the water fed set up on one side and I was just kind of supervising for the most part. So just as to play a fun little game, somehow we got into the, I've got my old fashioned aluminum pole with my, with my Ederay backflip on it and they've got the water fed pole and we're going to do a little race. Like, you know, like John Henry <laughs> machine here. and I ended up winning that race, but honestly it was me at that point, maybe 17, 18 years in as a window cleaner versus some guys yeah. who are still learning their, not only just their equipment, but their trade in general. So you know, there is something to consider there that I think once you and I and guys like us are getting more and more experience and practice with that technology, I think it's going to yeah. become definitely more viable and it will be. The yeah, most. you're probably right. You're probably right. But we'll hang on to that belt as long as we can hang on to that. <laughs> That's exactly it. Never selling as long people. as it's still... Absolutely. All right, Flomies. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed those three interviews. Uh, as, as always, it's always a pleasure to to talk to you guys and to be able to share these stories with you. So hope you enjoyed it. Next week will be another best of episode. Look forward to seeing you then. But until then, as always, flow on. <laughs>